The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hello, everyone. This is Rob Golfie with Remax, the Golfie team. Welcome to the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition with host Rick Zamprin. Yes, How are you, Rick? I am fantastic. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. This, uh, I guess uh, this cold weather, uh, we had a little break there after the snowstorm, and then <laughs> now we're back in the chills of things. Yeah, it, it's winter. It's Canada. We'll, we'll get through it. Uh, yeah, welcome everyone to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Lots of great things to talk about on the show today, including earlier this week, the Ford government holding a housing summit with the big city mayors and regional chairs in this province and uh, an exciting announcement. Uh, whether or not it's going to make a big impact or not, we'll discuss on today's show. We'll also talk about appraisers and what happens if you're bidding on a house and the appraisal comes in less than what you're willing to pay for that home. Downtown Hamilton apparently poised for a big year in 2022 and also talk about potential tax changes that are coming. And what the heck is an iceberg basement? I mean, you might have one with this cold snap, but no, this is something entirely different. We'll chat about this on the show as well. For the hottest listings in town, go online to robgolfi.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call Hamilton and Burlington's number one REMAX team in volume and unit sales, 905-575-7700. Follow the Golfie team on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you have a topic idea or a question you would like answered on a future program, send the Golfie team an email. That email address is questions at robgolfi.com. Dot com. Uh, I guess we'll start it with uh, what has happened in your real estate week. Well, Rick, it's unbelievable. But at the start of the year, so I did I did the average average sale price of last year. Okay, and I didn't just do the, you know the the last month of December. I did the last year. Now, based on what's happening in the first twenty days of January, average sale price is up twenty percent. Wow. Now, now we know we know there's not that many houses have sold because you know we're averaging 12 months versus 20 days, um, but it, it's exactly what I, I know is going to happen. So the first quarter of this year is where sellers are going to be winning this real estate pennant, pen, this craziness. Buyers, I know they're gonna, you know there's buyers out there that need to buy a house, but it will level out. As the year goes out, it's going to drop because inventory's, inventory is, is at an, a record low. Um, we're selling less homes than we did last year in January on the first 20 days versus this year of the first 20 days. So, um, and, uh, so, I, it, so this is a totally different animal that we're dealing with right now. Like, it's not like apples and apples and, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's totally different. Um, and like every year is different now, just because of this pandemic, cause we're entering into new different things. Things are changing. Ford's coming out with, yes, we can go to restaurants. No, we can't go to restaurants. What can we do here? What we, it, it, we haven't had a consistent year over year where there's no, um, uh, stoppages or, or closures or, or anything like that. So, and, and so it's hard to, to guesstimate what things are happening, but I do predict that it will level out 
towards the, as we hit closer to probably April, May, and June. But I think whoever is selling right now, if you're, if you're thinking about selling, don't worry about the flowers and the front lawn. I know your house looks the best. Get your house on the market now. You will do extremely well and, uh, and get a long closing. Then you might you know, wait it out and, uh, and buy something at a better price uh, that once it levels out. But now when I'm saying it's up 20%, it may come back down uh, maybe another five to 10%. Now I'm not saying it's still higher than it was last year. It's still higher, but 20%, you know, coming out the gate for the 2022 is uh, it's an, it, I can't believe it, it, it's that high so far. So um, with your prediction of leveling out, and you kind of just referred to it in April, May, June, we may not see the 20% increases, but we could see five to 10, maybe something in that range, but we're not going to see price deceleration or homes selling for less than what they were selling for last year? No, we won't. We won't. They'll, I, I think overall at towards the end of this year, you're going to see probably uh, um, the average sale price up from last year between seven and 10%. If it goes higher, uh, that's, I can't believe that because there's got to be a ceiling uh, of this eventually. And, uh, but I do feel that overall uh, towards the end of 2022, we'll have a a gain of, I'd say, I'd say, you know, you know, seven to 10% somewhere in there, but right now it's at 20% right now. So you put your house on the market right now, you're going to have a huge gain. You're going to do very well. But the thing is, is do they have a house to go to? That's the other thing. So that's the key factor. So this is a great time for people that are thinking of retiring, going into a um, uh, like a retirement center or moving in with their family or whatever. Now, now is the time. Even if you can actually sell your house and move in with family and then buy something as things change or, or wait for the time that there is an opening for a retirement home or whatever, this is, this is the time. This is where you're going to stretch your retirement dollars to go even further for you if you can. Um, like it's, it, it's a tough situation. I get it. You know what I mean? You, you have no place to go. If you can find a place to go and you know you're not going to buy another house, but you're going to be renting or whatever, this is the time to do it, guys. And I know rental rents are up. They're at an all-time high also, but, there's, but, but you're going to make it up on the, uh, on the appreciation of, uh, of the equity on your house from the uh, sale price. So this first three months is really go time for not only home sellers who want to cash in on the still hot market, but also buyers as well. And, I, you know, some people may be scratching their head thinking, well, why would you want to buy now? If you don't buy now, that price is going to continue to rise over the next three months. And we're still going to see that escalation in the summer, but say, obviously not to the same degree. So the longer you wait, the more priced out of each home you're going to be, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of times when people buy a house, right. And they buy it, they, they, they basically what it is, it's like plugging the hole in uh, in a leaky pipe, or let's say, let's say you got a, a pipe in it and there's a hole in it and the water's just streaming out. Right. Just think of that as the house pricing, house pricing going up. Now, as soon as you plug it, you stop it. Basically, as soon as you purchase a house, you stopped inflation on that house. Now the inflation works benefit for you as the buyer. So, so the thing is, um, like in two months, six months, a year down the road, you're going to say, wow, I'm glad I bought when I did, even though it it seems to be high right now. Mm -hmm. And and everybody feels that now, every time somebody buys something, 
Um, they always like, if it's an average deal, if you make a deal, like, you know, the buyer did okay. And the seller did okay. That means, Hey, that's a, that's a solid deal. You guys shook hands on that deal. You did well in the, in six months to a year, you're going to be like, wow, we got, we did pretty good then. Like you become more happy about the purchase that you made as time goes on. And that will happen to you when you buy, even in this market, it will happen. But the thing is, if you don't do anything, then it's not going to happen. So if you're a buyer, you will be appreciative in, in, in six months to a year. If you're a seller, you're going to be very appreciative right now if you do it. And you'll benefit from whatever, whatever direction you're going uh, if you sell right now. When is the latest day you would recommend a house going up for sale in this first three months? Should people be waiting maybe until early March or is that a little too late? I would probably, I always tell people March is the, like the month that you should get your house on the market. No later. Like I'm talking about the first of March. I'm not talking about the end of March, middle of March, because my records, when I go back 10, even longer years ago, it shows that March was always the peak month. Now, March still, you know, like, like the landscaping looks like crap. It doesn't, you know, I know I get it. And then a lot of people say, well, I want to wait till April, May, because, you know, the blooming flowers and stuff. Forget it. I'm telling you, those blooming flowers, if you're going to wait for them, they're going to cost you even more money if you wait. But, the, but March is the key month. Get it on the market. The end of February, 1st of March, you will not miss that, mar- that, that window that's going to get you the most money for your house. We've also talked about in the past where, uh, you know, home sellers will wait just after this, uh, I guess, peak time period. So say, uh, you know, April, maybe even May rolls around and they put their house up for sale, wanting the same dollar figures that they saw earlier in the year, they're going to be shut out of that uh, of that dollar figure, I would assume, right? Yeah, it, it could, because we don't know what the market's going to react. Right. We've seen markets where in some years it, it lasted till the end of May. Some years it lasted till the middle of April, and that was in 2017. And other years where it, and it was just for one month. We had a, a, a boom, and it just went, it went crazy, and, and then it stopped. So when will it stop for, uh, for us this year? We don't know. Right now it's going on, and, uh, you know, and it, it, it there's low, low inventory, less than even last, Jan- last January. And last January was a pretty hot market, and that's when the fire just started. That's the, the beginning of the fire. Now, this January now we're, we're living in right now, um, the inventory is in an all-time low. Now, because of that, people can't find houses, so they're not putting their house up for sale. So that's, that's a big cause. The only people that are putting their house up for sale are the ones that have another location to go to. So, you know, I mean, so that means we only have dedicated, like for people that need to move, there's motivation to sell and they have uh, another place to go to. And that's, what's causing this market to go up 20% so far. Now, I don't know how long that 20% will last, but right now, a great time. If you're looking at selling, do it now. Uh, It could change. And I know when the market changes, I can tell you within a week. So, and because when we hold offers on certain properties and nobody's showing up, we know the market's changing, especially if we're doing it on two, three, four different properties. And because we do a fair amount of business in the, in, in the market, we can, we know the market day by day, week by week. We know that a lot of, sometimes a lot of realtors can't see that because they don't do enough business, but a lot of agents sometimes call me and say, Hey, listen, Rob, what's going on with the market? And I'll tell them it's changing. Be, be ready. 
Now, the reason why to call the Golfy team, if you want to sell your home or you're in the market to buy a house, call Hamilton, Burlington, and Niagara's top real estate team, the Golfy team, 905-575-7700, online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I. Com. When we come back, Ontario's housing summit has come and gone. What is the impact? We'll discuss that next here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road Although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your Welcome back. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you, along with Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfy team. Find them online at robgolfy.com. That's Rob, G O L F I.com. Call them at 905 575 7700. That's 905 575 7700. Follow the Golfy team on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and send them an email whether you have a topic idea for a future program or a question you'd like answered that email address is questions at robgolfie.com still to come what in the world is an iceberg basement you might have one literally about now uh, potential tax changes as well as uh, downtown hamilton apparently poised for a big year we'll also talk about appraisals and how they may not match what you're willing to spend uh, but earlier on this week ontario held a housing summit it was supposed to be held late last year but the Omicron variant of COVID-19 arrived and it was postponed until this past Wednesday. Lots was discussed, including the promise of a $45 million fund for municipalities to tap into to basically cut some red tape. Hamilton's take, just shy of $2 bucks. We're going to get $1.7 million. Rob, what kind of impact do you think this funding is going to have and this, um, this go-forward plan is going to have on housing affordability? Um, I, I don't know. I'm going to tell you, it, it, it's hard to gauge housing affordability unless the government's buying the properties themselves, develop, developing them themselves. Now, I know they've got properties in downtown Hamilton uh, that they basically sold to uh, developers or builders. And basically they said X amount of, of homes have to be dedicated for low income uh, or low, low price. Now, the developer or builder has to look at his numbers and say, okay, you know what, for us, in order to develop this, we have to uh, sell these other ones beside it for a higher price to make up for the lower price on the other side. But once they're purchased, and I don't know who gets to purchase them because there must be a list of people that uh, I don't know how that works. But once they purchase that, if they resell it, guess what? It's back in the high market again. So, so you're going to get people to buy some low, so some low priced homes and they're going to end up selling them for a high price. 
Um, I, I think they're just going to make it easier for people developing uh, in the area. Like if, let's say there's a infills, you know, that all they have some properties, there's, you know, a, there's a single family home and the, the lot is a hundred wide. You can tear that down, build two houses or vice or whatever, or build three houses on that same property. They're going to make those a lot easier for those smaller uh, builders to, to do that kind of stuff. Um, I, I honestly don't, know how much of an impact it's going to do. I don't think we're going to see it as much. I mean, they're trying to do something, but it, it, it's not enough to, to make a difference in the marketplace. I, 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 that's my opinion on that. What more can be done or, or can anything else other than building more homes, um, you know, impact house, uh, house affordability? Uh, I don't know. They, they, they basically have to develop it themselves and then just say, listen, the, this area. Uh, they, they basically have to take a piece of farmland and develop that whole area themselves. And, and they can keep that under a certain amount. Like they just can govern of what the price sells for so that it could be affordable for other people. But it, I can't, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. I don't know how they're going to do it. They're just, they're trying to, they're trying to create more housing, but we're too far behind that. It's not going to happen. Yeah. We're too, we're 10 years behind, even 20 years behind. They should have thought of this 20 years ago, but now it's too late. It's, we're bringing in more people than, than, than we can afford to, to uh, give them places to rent or buy. There's too many people coming into the country, but now we need these people in the country to keep the economy going. So it's, it's, you know, I don't know how to balance this thing, but they got a crisis on their hand and they got to fix it and they got to fix it fast because, but it's going to take 10 years before we actually fix it. And this is not an overnight thing. And I know, and the only reason I think Doug Ford is coming up with this is because there, there's, there's a lot of uh, people demanding him to do something. So, I mean, yeah, this is, you know, him doing something, but it's not, nobody's going to notice it. It's, it's just, it's just political, um, you know, things for him to say over uh, on TV and in and, and the media, just to show that they are doing something, they're aware of it, but I don't see it, uh, you know, an immediate uh, impact happening. I think it's, it's a long term, and, and it's going to take, it's going to take 10, 10 years before we even feel it. And even if the approval process is sped up, which I greatly think it needs to be, and more staff have to be hired to help speed that process up, it's not like you can build a subdivision in a week or build a couple of homes on a, you know, a, a greenfield in the city in a couple of days. It, it takes time, obviously, and it should. You know, you're building a, a home that someone is going to be living in. There's certain standards and, uh, and codes that you have to follow. So it's not like you can just whip something up in a matter of days. The other thing, too, and uh, this was the mayor of Barrie who was making the suggestion that maybe Ontario should change its tax policy to incentivize developers to build more rental apartments. But even with that, because of the housing affordability is putting a crunch on people getting into homes, it's also uh, meant a rise in rental rates as well so the ripple effect is being felt uh, across the board yes and, and and there are and they are building a lot of rental apartments in hamilton right now there's like you'd be amazed now all of a sudden uh some of the developers out there are saying okay we're built we're going to build a, a an apartment building here now now they haven't done that in a long time it, they went from building apartment buildings from the 60s and 70s and then they went and then all of a sudden they went dormant and then then I think towards the 90s and the early 2000s, 
those, some of those apartment buildings were converted into condos. They re, re, uh, retrofitted them to, to turn them into condos because that's what everybody was going for. Now we're building condominium buildings, but now the government is giving incentives for uh, develop, developers to build uh, uh, apartment buildings. And there's a lot of them being, a lot of them happening. So what happens is the developers are building these buildings and some of them are keeping them and some of them are selling them to a, a, a REIT, like a real estate investment uh, company that invests in uh, real estate. So it, it's like, it's funny how the markets go. Like, you know, in the seventies, they were building a lot of uh, apartment buildings, sixties and seventies apartment buildings. Now they got away from that and went dormant and then nobody built them. And then they, the condominiums started coming in. Now we're going back to the apartment buildings again. So every, every 30 years, I think there's always a change in what they need. So in 30 years from now, now we're building condos and we're building apartment buildings. So I don't know what's going to happen in, uh, in 10, 20 years from now, but that's the, the route it's going because there is a shortage of homes right now and apartment buildings. Uh, they, they, you can get fast approvals on those better than, than you can get on condominiums. All right, let's switch gears and talk about the appraisal process and what happens when an appraiser values your home less than what you're willing to pay for it. That sounds like a sticky situation. Very sticky. There was a situation where um, there was uh, a house for sale. They were holding offers and there was multiple offers on this house uh, and over 10 offers. Now, the, the winner, got the, the guy that won the bid, the highest bid, uh, I guess, whatever, uh, the banks said, okay, okay, no problem. You got this, not a problem. But what happened, what red flagged this was um, when they bring this house up to, to, for the financing, they check to see what the average sale price is on that neighborhood or on that street. Mm -hmm. Well, the average sale price came in a lot lower than what this house sold for. And so now they have the order an appraisal. Now the appraiser went in and he appraised the house and they appraised 50,000 less than what the new buyer uh, bid it on. So we got an issue here. Now, the reason why it, 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 the, the red flag went up initially is because um, this house was over improved. So that's why it did get 50,000. It was 50,000 more than the appraisal bond. It was an over improved house. You walk into this house, everything was done. It was beautiful, high end, everything. It was beautiful. But the problem is once that came in, the insurer does not want to insure this. So they say, listen, we'll, we'll give you the financing on this, but you're going to have to come up with an extra $50,000 down to, to make up the difference for the financing on this. Well, these people don't have that. So now we have to find somebody, another insurer, another, a different, a different company to, in a different bank to look at this and say, look, you know, yes, it is the highest priced house in the neighborhood, but it has, more upgrades than any other house in the neighborhood. So, so that's the process that's happening right now. And it could happen. And surprisingly, it hasn't happened at, at hardly at all during in the past 12 to 15 months or 18 months since this, this boom that's been happening through this pandemic. But yeah, we got a situation now, we got to deal with it and, uh, and we'll work it out. But it's because the average sale price in the neighborhood uh, this was uh, it sold too high compared to the average sale price. That's interesting to hear because we've heard of you know you mentioned a house in Stony Creek not too long ago that was listed at I think it was nine fifty and it sold for like one point three. You would think that would be kind of a similar case, but it didn't happen in that case. So th this sounds really uh, like an uncommon occurrence. 
It is it is a very uncommon occurrence. Actually, I was talking to Sam Miliach just just this morning about this to ask him some questions about it. He told me he goes, it's very very rare that this happens, but. I mean, it, it'll be resolved because they'll be able to see the upgrades and, and they'll be able to get the financing. But sometimes, you you know, it, some of these deals get a little sticky and it just needs a little bit of um, quarterbacking to make sure everything goes through. Because people just look at the numbers at the top of the IV tower, right? You go to the banks and they just see, oh, numbers are, not, are off compared. Nope. And they just throw it out. <laughs> you, you, you basically have to talk to these people and explain to them and everything else, and then it, it'll get done. It'll so is, get done. is the best course of action just convincing the insurer that, hey, this is what the home is actually worth? Absolutely. Yeah, you have to talk to them. you got to be on the phone with them and discuss and everything else like that. Like, like they're just looking at numbers. They're not looking at uh, people. They're not looking at what's been done. They're not looking, you know, so you basically have to sell it to the insurer to say, Hey, look, this house, the value is there. There's no doubt about it. There's, you know, 15 offers on this place and everybody was bidding pretty close to the same. So, and, and again, you know what? And they teach us uh, in real estate school that the house is worth what a willing buyer is willing to pay well, this willing buyer is willing to pay this much for that house. It's obviously worth that much. So, I mean, but the insurer also is, it wants to make sure that they're not going to get, you know, in trouble and have to repossess this house. If this guy can't afford this house, yeah. I'm sure he's financially no problem, but they just, they're, you know, Hey, they're the ones, they're the lenders. They're insuring, they're insuring the bank to make sure that, uh, that the, the buyer is going to pay his mortgage. But, and, and so they're just being careful and they're being, you know what? And they're being careful through this because they know the housing prices is just escalating like crazy. So there is a suggestion that downtown Hamilton is poised for a big year in 2022. So what is happening in the downtown? Downtown Hamilton. It's crazy. So what's happening there is people are taking a more serious look at how the role of business play in the local economic recovery, as well as attracting new residents. Local businesses are playing a huge role right now. In, uh, so what's going on? Hamilton is the closest city to Toronto. That is a big part of the GTA. So it's very attractive to those who want the city life at affordable cost. So that's what's going on. Like downtown Hamilton is going to be one of the, like, like it's going to be robust. Like it was like, 30, 40 years ago. Um, and, and especially with all the new development that's happening. Do you, Rick, I don't know if you remember this. Do you, like in the 80s, uh, you're a lot younger than I was. <laughs> we were both a but lot in younger. The 80s, <laughs> the, in, the, in the 80s, do you remember how busy Jackson Square was? So truth be told, I wasn't in Hamilton in the 80s. I was oh. I was growing up in Toronto, but uh, I had visited Hamilton, and I do remember it just being, the memory is a bustling city. Uh, you know, not as was, not as big as and robust as Toronto because, you know, the sheer population size is so different, but I remember it being just a busy place. Yeah, like when you're stopped at the corner of King and James, right there, you're ready to cross. Mm -hmm. It was all one way. And people were crossing the street there and it was jammed with people. There must've been like, I, I've talked about this before. There must've been like 300 people just waiting for that light to turn green to cross. <laughs> and you, and it would be, it's like New York city. You know how you see in New York city, that's how downtown Hamilton was 35, 40 years ago. It was insane. Now I don't know where those people went. Like, like everybody went downtown to shop and everything else. Obviously Lime Ridge mall came into fact and all this other stuff, but 
it will be like that back again. And you know what? And entrepreneurs are seeing that's happening because there's a lot of condos are uh, being built downtown. There's a lot of businesses coming downtown. This is the going to be the Mecca. This is going to be the way to go. And it's cheaper to open up a business here in Hamilton than it is anywhere else. And you've got the population and you've got the affordability to open up a business. You will see a lot of things happening in this downtown core coming up and it's and and it's going to be fantastic and you're going to see Jackson Square thrive again cuz every time they build a condo tower downtown that means there's another thousand people living downtown guess what they're just going to walk out the front door and walk down the street and go to the restaurants and go shopping or whatever that's another key component to buying a home because you're not only looking at the home you're looking at other things around the home the neighborhood uh, the shopping uh, area the restaurants nearby transportation links all of that factors into what people are looking at right oh absolutely you know what it's it's like i'm going to tell you now's the time to invest in hamilton and it's and and two months ago was the time to invest and two years ago was the time to invest Invest in Hamilton right now because it is the affordable uh, small city that is, is going to be just bustling in, in the years to come. Yes, uh, exciting times are ahead, that is for sure. Coming up on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton edition, some potential tax changes, and we'll talk about the iceberg basement. It's not what you think. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin here. Once again, joined by Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfy team. You can call Hamilton and Burlington's number one Remax team in volume and unit sales, 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. You'll be calling Hamilton's first ever real estate team to sell a thousand homes in a year. They did it last year, and they did it in the first 11 months online the website is robgolfi.com that's rob g-o-l-f-i.com follow them on social media facebook twitter and instagram search out the golfy team give them a like give them a follow and the email address is questions at robgolfi.com if you have a topic idea or a question for the golfy team send them an email questions at robgolfi.com still to come an iceberg basement, but uh, before we get to that, tax changes. There's two things certain in life, death and taxes, and of course tax changes. And one of those uh, revolves around uh, area rating. What are you hearing about area rating? I, I guess they're talking about uh, area rating as basically, uh, you know, I guess recreational areas uh, or not well area rating basically on different areas and what they're going to hike the taxes up and how close are they to different things it says hampton city council will delve into great you pay for what you get taxation debate during the february budget talk uh area rating is a tool that uh, distributes the burden of municipal taxes based on service levels and where properties are located in the city stony creek council said it would make 
sense to eliminate area ratings for such services such as recreation, along with street lights, sidewalks, side, uh, sidewalks, snow removal, parkland purchases, urban and suburban infrastructure, and transit and makeup uh, suit up uh, make make up the suit of area rating services. The variety makes Hamilton an out, outlier. Outlier. So changes to the area ratings are revenue neutral, but the shifts redistribute the burden depending on where residents live. So basically, if you live in an area where uh, you need all these services, you're going to pay more taxes. So you know, it, uh, so it says axing the tax tool for sidewalks and streetlights over a four-year period would result in a hike of roughly four to six dollars in your rural areas. Some people advise that recreation services do not meet the criteria. Uh, for area ratings and forecasting a four-year phase out starting this year would track 10 to $13 uh, dollars on to rural tax bills based on average residential assessments of 381000 So, Rob, when people are looking to buy a home, whatever the area is in Hamilton, are they looking at the annual tax implications, i.e., are they looking at that property tax bill? Are they looking at, you know, stuff like user fees if they're in a certain part of the city? How big of the... Uh, decision-making process is based on that tax? Or is it just, hey, I like this home, I want to buy it, whatever the tax is, yeah, I'll just live with it? They look at the tax to a certain degree, but not completely. Um, so let's say we put a house up for sale or we're looking at a house to buy. We look at the tax and it looks like, hey, that seems about reasonable. That seems what the average is in the area. Now, we've seen houses where the taxes are extremely high and the house is dated, well, they're going to have a hard time selling that house. Some houses I, we've seen that the taxes are expensive, and, and that, the people at that residence should have gone to impact uh, and said, hey, listen, my taxes are the most expensive. They may have a bigger house. They may have things in that house that, that cause them to have uh, for their taxes to be high. But taxes are to a certain degree. But if, they all, uh, if the taxes are outrageous compared to the neighborhood, Yes, they'll, they'll not look at the house. But if it's reasonably, like if every house on the street, the taxes are six $7,000, guess what? It's not a factor because every house on the street's that much. But, uh, but I mean, it, it, like the city, you know, brings up the taxes, little it's and bits and pieces. But you add that to how many thousands of homes there are in Hamilton, you'd be, you'd be amazed how much money that creates. And they spend that money and I don't know what they do with it, but... But it's, the taxes are just a, a little bit of a factor, but not a huge factor. Are, uh, and obviously they're different in, in certain parts of the city, too, like taxes in Ancaster based on how much homes are going for. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the level or the grandiose nature of those homes, those taxes will be higher than what you would see certainly on the, I don't know, the Central Mountain and especially downtown or the East or even the West End. Absolutely. People moving to Ancaster know they're going to pay more money for the house, and they know they're going to pay higher taxes there. If they can afford the house, they obviously can afford the taxes. Yeah. All right, when we come back, our last issue on the docket, and it's a very intriguing one. They're called Iceberg Basements. We'll get to that and a whole lot more still to come here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
And one last go round here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin alongside Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team. Get them on the World Wide Web. They have the hottest listings in Hamilton, Burlington, and Niagara. Rob, G O L F I.com. It's robgolfy.com. Call Hamilton and Burlington's number one Remax team in volume and unit sales, 905 575 7700. That's 905 575 7700. Follow the Golfy team. They're all over social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Give them a like, give them a follow. And uh, you can also catch our show online through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. Just search for The Golfy Real Estate Show in your favorite podcast platform and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. So I've been teasing iceberg basements all show long. And no, this is not about freezing basements. Uh, mm. Although I'm sure some people who are listening right now, and uh, if they were to go in their basement, they'd be a little chillier than maybe on their main floor or even their second floor. But it wasn't too long ago, we had a topic on the show about a 250-year-old maple tree where a um, um, a home buyer in the Toronto area had purchased this home and uh, basically took this tree down. There was a campaign to save it. it. It didn't work. The tree has been demolished. Not only has the tree been demolished, but those homeowners have built a two level basement on their property. So they have their home and then they have an even bigger home underground. Is this the next big thing? I, I think it is for the, and I don't think you have to be super wealthy to do that. It may cost you an extra, maybe thirty, forty thousand dollars to, to, to go that route. Um, but I, when I was reading this, I was like, wow, that's so cool. Um, but I mean, it's, like basically people are building the extra square footage in their house. So they have room to do extra Mm -hmm. now. And some of these people will put a basement under their backyard also. Like basically you got your lawn uh, in the backyard and everything else, but the basement not only just goes down where your main house uh, footprint is, but even beyond underground. So I, I found it. I found it that that's amazing for people to get more square footage uh, in these houses. And they were saying that you know people are putting uh, golf simulators and, and <laughs> yep. uh, karaoke lounges and bil- uh, billiard rooms and and everything else, basketball courts, spas, everything else. I, I when I was reading it, I was like, wow, that's a cool idea. I mean, obviously there's no windows. Obviously they'll have a staircase. Uh, going to these uh, um, uh, a staircase going up and down, plus probably I would assume there'd be an elevator too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, so that's not like you're really going in a basement; you just going in an elevator and, and going down. But I, I, I think I, I think well, the rich and well, the the wealthy uh, can do this, uh, and I think people with new houses, if they have enough property and dig a hole deep enough, um, they can you know I guess you can go as deep as you want. I, I think it's. I, I thought it was pretty cool when I when I read this. It is very interesting. So the current, uh, I guess, property bylaws in Toronto uh, will allow you to dig as wide and deep as you want. So I guess, uh, you know, saying the sky's the limit is incorrect. I guess the the core of the earth is the limit. I guess, but in saying that, there is a discussion that uh, some of these iceberg basements are getting so big. Uh, there's a story out of London where excavations for these iceberg homes, if you will, have caused the foundations of neighboring buildings to shift. So there might be uh, a lawsuit or two, I'm sure, coming down the pipe sometime soon, because if you're now messing with other properties, 
uh, that's going to be an issue. The, the other thing I thought, too, is, yeah, they don't have windows. And isn't the code to have a window so if there's a fire, you can get out of that area? They probably, as long as they got two exits, uh, two different staircases, maybe. I, I don't I don't maybe, know what the yeah. bylaw is on that. But, uh, yeah, like, like it's... It's, it's, and it's, I think it, I, I thought it was, wow. I was like, I was intrigued, but I wouldn't want one of these guys building, digging a basement as deep as you would see them digging like condo condominiums uh, <laughs> yeah. right next to me. You're right. Like, I mean, they're literally, literally going to shift uh, the, the earth for you. Like, yeah. I mean, basically digging that deep. But I think if you're in a big, uh, bigger area, like maybe you're on a one acre lot and, and dig deep like that and you can, you know, do that. That's fantastic. I mean, uh, I mean, land is becoming scarce, especially within the urban boundary. It's harder. Like, but I wouldn't want this guy doing this next door to me, but I thought it was a cool thing. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that I would love as an iceberg basement would maybe be like an underground garage to park the vehicle clear of snow, cool in the summer. What would be on your wish list for your iceberg, iceberg basement? What kind of room would you like? Yeah, I think I think a large garage, of, uh, just uh, you know, someplace again. Like, I mean, I'm not a golfer, but something like a little racket court or something like that. Yeah. And I think Drake in Toronto in the bridal path. I think his whole backyard is underground. Really, yeah. he's got an underground. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that he's basically used up all the 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 underground uh, land uh, on his property outside, outside what, what you see in the footprint. Hmm. I, I'm pretty sure he's done that. Like he's got a huge underground garage there and everything else. So, so I guess he's one of those guys that probably do it, did it in the, in the bridal path. They probably, he's probably got extra square footage, uh, underneath. Well, well, we got to run Rob. Thank you very much for another outstanding show. And thank you for listening to the Golfy real estate show. We're back next Saturday at nine right here on 900 CHML. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.